How you doing, Oasis Church? Come on, let's go. I got a voice that'll wake you up real quick. Hey, can I get my man on the keys just for just one second? Will you come back up for me? Cool. Come on, let's give it up for the team tonight. The worship team. Love it. Hey, I know the enemy's already playing tricks up in here because it's hot. My God, I'm already sweating. Like, <clears throat> he's up here turning down the AC unit, turning it up. Um, come on, thank you, Clint, for honoring me and my wife and our team. And um, it's true. Uh, Man, when we, when we met you guys in Birmingham, Alabama, at one of the largest churches in the world, which holds 56,000 people, you got to go in there with your blinders on, don't you? It's like, like oh Lord, I could take all this right now. Like, like, Jesus, I ain't got nobody but like $25 in, in a new city to go into and, and the love of Jesus to spread to people. Amen. And what I love about your story is that you said yes. You know what I mean? You said yes. And the beauty of the story of saying yes is that you're good enough. And he says that to everybody in this room, that you're good enough. You're good enough at your story. God is writing your story in this moment. I love love it. I absolutely love it. So I I honor you, Clint. I honor you, Stephanie, for what you're doing in this city, what you mean to my family, and the times that you've spoken to my life, and times that I felt like it was, woo, Jesus, like I'm going to find another occupation. (laughs) I've been doing ministry full-time for 17 years, and uh, I'm from, actually, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you, man, for playing the piano. Doesn't it make it sound so much better? Let me just tell you, can you just stop for a minute? I can talk about Twinkies right now, and it don't even sound as spiritual. I can be like, I can be like, man, I'm just opening up this Twinkie right now, and it was just so delicious. Now go ahead and play that music real quick. You know, I just opened up that Twinkie package. Absolutely amazing changed my life that's what i love about music man it's a medium it's a medium let me get back spiritual again but i'm from birmingham alabama and um i I served in ministry there and uh down i suffered for jesus down in gulf shores alabama lived near the beach for a little while and and uh, i served at our last church for 12 years full time and god called my wife and i to plan a church not in my city lord i said "Uh -uh, uh-uh I'm not in for that. We went to six different cities in the South. I felt like I knew that I was called to the South, you know? You ever done something that you're terrified of and you're like, but I'm going to try it? I don't know what I was thinking, but I did it. And we went to each city, spent 48 hours in each city. And um, when we came to Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, God spoke to us, said, this is where you're going to plant the church and you're going to see people come to see Jesus. And um, we took, we, I remember going to Honey Bee Coffee, right? We sat there in Honey Bee. I'm there every day. I spend way too much money there, by the way. We sat in Honey Bee Coffee right there, and we said, this is it. This is it. And we went home, and we told our kids. We told our pastor. They gave us all the blessings, and we started the journey. And we've now been there for two years. We were trying to launch the church in uh, uh, September 13th of uh, 2020, and uh, we didn't get to launch it the way we wanted to launch it because of the pandemic. So we launched online. Who launches a church online? No one, actually. No one does that. And so there's no information on, to help you do that. So we did it. And so because we felt like the Lord said, hey, you know what? In this season, I want you to move forward. And so we did. And um, man, we've seen so many things happen through it. And I, I'll be honest with you, it's a trial because you don't know what it's, you know, you think of institutionalized churches. This is what it's supposed to look like and feel like and be like. And Come on, it's the impossible situation, right? And you, you're like, this is, if, if I can do, if I can raise up people and have the perfect worship team, and this is what it's going to look like. And then it's like, Jesus is like, okay, all right. <laughs> all right, let's, let's, 
you know. And then so we, we, we worked through it, and it didn't happen the way it did, but I'm thankful for the way God is doing it right now. In our middle, he, he mentioned a second ago in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, God gave us a building right there in the city that I live in. And I'm telling you right now, it's, it's a hard place to get a building anywhere, even if there wasn't a pandemic. It was in our city. And God gave us a building, so we're launching September uh, 12th, right? September 12th now uh, of 2020, and I am incredibly excited. I brought a couple of friends uh, 2021. Thank you. <laughs> some of my team's like, mm, it's 2021. We're launching because we in that year need to represent some of the team. Will you stand up? Some of you guys stand up. Yeah. All three of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it weren't for you guys, we wouldn't be where we are as Hope Valley Church. And I honor you and I'm thankful for you. These guys are the lifeblood of our team. And, um, you know, you, you need to have some people to honor in your life. I'm thankful for each and every one of you, Adam, you, you, you've been with me seven or eight years. Courtney, you guys, I mean, you do anything and everything that we ask, and you do it with a heart that is accepting. And Colin, I love you, man. You're the same. You do anything that we ask, and I, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, man. Appreciate you guys. Give it up for that team real quick. <clears throat> I want to talk to you. If you'll hang with me just for about another 45 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Pastor Plant said I have about an hour and a half to go, and so two, two and a half hours. No, I'm just kidding. I want to share something with you. Um, I'm, we're going to be in John chapter five tonight. Before we get to that type, before we get to that scripture, it's a little bit of scripture I want to to you, but I want to give a little bit of context of the scripture. Okay, so we're going to be in John chapter five. I want to read the scripture. On the scripture, you can, man, you, you're good, man. Chase you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I, I want to talk to you uh, on the topic of an impossible situation. Anybody ever walked through one, or you felt like you're in one? If you haven't been in one or walked through one right now, you're going to eventually get to one. All right. So I think it's important to note in John stated more clearly in his scripture, in his teaching, in his writings um, uh, than any other three of the Gospels. He wrote it so that the readers might believe that Jesus is Christ. All right. It's important to know the context that Jesus is the Christ. The others wrote about Jesus and talked about him as Christ, but more in a story form. John wanted everybody to know that he is the Christ. Does that make sense? And so that they would have eternal life. I think all the gospels would probably point to that, no doubt about it. But John was more passionate about it. And so that's why he wrote the way he wrote that we're going to get into. I want to front load John chapter five real quick, because there were seven miracles that were recorded in John that I love, right? And so Jesus was in, in this story, he was halfway through his, um, his miracle working spree, if you, if you will, right? His, his maternal grandparents were from this area that, um, that we're going to talk about in just a minute. It, like I what I want you to know is that he is at a place where he knows where he is from. All right. John chapter five, let me read it to you. It says sometime, this is John chapter five, verses one through 16. It says sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Verse 2, it says, Now there is in Jerusalem near a sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Let me just stop for just one second. Jesus, again, grew up here. This is not a place he didn't know. Um, this was probably the, um, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is important because this is something that Jesus went to consistently. So this wasn't the first time Jesus went to this 
um, uh, festival. Am I making sense to you? So the story that I'm about to tell you, um, it, it brings a lot of context to it. Just know that Jesus, this was a part of Jesus. He has walked by these pools, these covered porches, uh, these, 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 he's, he's done this every year, all right? And he says, in verse 3, it says, Here in a great number of uh, disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Verse 5, one who was there had been uh, uh, invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, and he asked, Do you want to get well? In verse 7, he said, Sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool. The water is stir- uh, while the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, Someone else always goes ahead of me. Verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and I need you to walk, bro. Like, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. It's a beautiful story because the man's healed, right? Verse 9. At once the man is cured. (laughs) Wow, we know the ending. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath, which is important because it wasn't supposed to be a healing on the day. He can't carry his mat. He's not supposed to do things. It's ridiculous. It's religion is what it is. Right? And so he walked, the day it took the place was the Sabbath. In verse 10 it says, And so the Jewish leader said to the man who uh, had, uh, uh, let me back up. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, uh, It is me. Uh, it is me who is well, uh, the man said. And, and, uh, but he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. Verse 12, So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk. The man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. I think I find that incredibly interesting that the man didn't even know who Jesus was. All right, we're almost done. Hang on. Verse 14, later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went on and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. And I think it's pretty important for just a moment to think through um, this whole idea that Jesus healed this man and this guy didn't even know. And what I love about the story is that he came back to ask the man, I told you, you are healed. He came back and checked on him. I, I love this. Thank you. That was an abrupt stop, wasn't it? That was good. <clears throat> you know, this man had a two-time encounter with Jesus, and, and honestly, the first time he had the encounter, he had no idea who Jesus even was. And I think it's important to know the word Bethsaida, when you look at the word in Greek, Beth meaning house, Seda meaning mercy, it was the house of mercy. All right, so I think it's important to know these little things. And in my opinion, Jesus makes this unnecessary statement. The man that we know who heals everybody looks at the man and says, do you want to be made healed? Do you want to be made well? Do you need to be healed, right? right? And here's the amazing thing. The man looks up and said, uh, what did he say? <laughs> he didn't say yes. Like, he didn't say yes. He, I would have been like, uh, yeah, uh, please, thank you, yes. Yeah, I've been laying here 38 years. I mean, I got like, sores on my, I need to be healed, right? <laughs> I, I'll give it to the guy. He had no uh, excuse. I mean, he had no idea who Jesus even was. So, so he has this man walking up on him, asking him. So I give that to him. 
And, and the very first thing this man even offers is uh, an excuse, right? He, he gives an excuse um, to Jesus. Actually, a couple of them. The first one is, is, is sir, you know, um, I can't even get into the water. I bet it sounded more like, you know, like, you know, like somebody just gives excuses. You ever met somebody who just gives excuses all the time? They have a voice, right? It's like, I can't even get, somebody just can't get me into the water. You know what I'm talking about? That's what you think they sound like all the time, especially when you give excuses all the time. You know, it's like, and then he says, someone always goes in front of me. It sounds like my kids. Now, I have three kids, by the way. I have an older son, which is Tim. He runs the world in his mind. I have a son that is six, and uh, that's right, he's six, right? Yeah, he's my middle child. Sometimes they get lost in it. Any middle kids out there? I'm one. <clears throat> I understand. And then I have my, my young daughter. She is f- four. She's four. She is my world, y'all. She is my world. She does no wrong. But I, I, I have to say this because um, I'm, I'm in a season of teaching my oldest boy not to, to lead with excuses, right? You know, this man led with excuses when Jesus was Jesus asked him, hey, do you want to be healed? Well, I can't get nobody to go, you know, <laughs> Like just, just, just say, yes, man, you'll be healed. It, the, the story will go on. It's beautiful. <sighs> but no, he gives excuses. And I, and I think of my own two boys, you know, especially my oldest one. You know, I'm like, son, you know, you'll give me every excuse of why you didn't do it. Yeah, come on. Anybody got par- any parents in the room? Any, any, any parents in the room that got kids? It's the same one? Oh, I'm the only one. Oh, cool, cool. We got a few. Good, good. I, I'm going to need your help because I struggle with parenting. <laughs> Right? And so there's moments where I'm like, son, the problem is, is not the excuse. The problem is, is that you lead with them. If you would just be humble for a minute and just lead with a humble heart, right? And don't lead with an excuse. Lead with love. Lead. I'm not really sure. Lead with, even if you know, lead with that. Don't lead with the excuse, right? I have to teach my boy all the time. And same went for the man that was lying there. And so I wrote this down, and, and, I, and I hope you write these down too, but, you know, to experience the miracle, there are three things I want you to write down. And the first one is you got to stop giving excuses. you got to stop giving excuses. Like, Pastor Clint, we ain't ever having this guy here again. <laughs> you got to stop giving excuses. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. I wonder what excuses we can come up with and, and why they're different for me and why it won't work for me, Right? We say often, I I believe God can heal marriages, but let me tell you why it won't work for me. I believe God can heal my finances or even work in my finances, but let me tell you why it won't work for me. Let me tell you why my family won't work for me right now because I'm walking through something. Let me just give those excuses, right? And it's exactly what this man did. When this man speaks, he speaks with many years of disappointment and decades waiting until his optimism bled dry. Can you imagine with me just for a minute, 38 years, this man laid there wondering, hoping that he can get to the water quick enough to be healed. I think the story's wild in itself. The Bible says that when the, the waters are stirred, the first person in the field. Could you imagine all the people up there racing to the water once or twice a year? That We have this in us, right? And I'm not sure a lot of times this isn't us, right, in our own life. It's the number one excuse in society today, and that is it's someone else's fault. This is happening to me. 
It's the number one excuse. Come on, if we're all honest and we were only one standing in this room and you got real, how many times in your own life did you say to yourself, it wasn't my fault? <laughs> Come on, it ain't my fault. Did I do that? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Come on, I know where y'all at. <laughs> I grew up in the 80s. That ain't an 80s song, but if you did, you know that song. Anyways, let me get back to the message here. It's someone else's fault. You know, one thing I've learned is that your frustrations are birthed out of your insecurities. It's, it's important. It's important to know when you're insecure about something or you see frustration boiling out of you, it's because there's an insecurity that's inside. Either you've seen it or you haven't seen it. So it's, it's a, it's a, that's, that's, something, that's a thumbprint. You can, that's a red flag that you can say, hey, there's something going on in my life right now that i got to shift. Because, listen, your frustration are birthed out of your insecurities. Can I just tell you that no one can hinder the destiny of your life can I tell you that? that, that but, but, but you, like, that no one can hinder it. Not, not the person at work, not your family. No one can hinder the destiny of your life but you. <laughs> but you just don't understand my situation, Pastor Reeves. You know, that's, that's how I hear people that give excuses, you know. Maybe I don't, but I do understand Jesus in my life. I understand what he's done for me. I understand in my tough situations and when I don't understand how I lean into that, right, right? You, you lean into those moments and can I tell you that you're not the exception to the power of God. You're not the exception. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not the exception to the power of God. No one is the exception. And if you go back to our text in John chapter 5, verse 5, it says this, one who was there had been invalid for 38 years. So he, we know that he had an infirmity, right? That we only could assume maybe it was his legs or his back. The man couldn't walk. So there's really no more ex, you know, explanation there. But if you look at the King James Version of what infirmity means, when you translate it, it means weakness. So the man has a weakness, obviously. Can't walk, right? So if we, if we read John chapter 5, verse 6, which is the very next scripture, he says, when Jesus saw him, come on, say it with me. When Jesus saw him lying there, he saw his weakness. He saw his weakness. He saw the infirmity. He saw the very thing, the reason why he, 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 he saw his excuses, he sees you. He sees me. He sees you when you're broken. He sees when you don't have enough money. He sees when your kids ain't acting right. Come on, Jesus. He sees you when you're hurt. He sees your anxiety. He sees you. He walks up on this man and he sees him lying there. And he had learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? My God, I would be like, yes, please. I don't want to sit here anymore. And I find it interesting when Paul spoke about weakness, when um, he wanted to take the thorn out of his side. Paul, there's a specific story of Paul when he says, God, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I need this thorn taken out of my side, right? 
And, and Paul, the greatest author in the New Testament, the guy who opened the door to the gospel to the entire Gentile world, and still even then, he was confused and confined by a weakness. Paul, the greatest, right? But this is what I love. He said this. He says, you know what I've learned, though? He said, I'm going to boast in my infirmities because when I am weak, then I am strong. He said, I understand. He's talking about the power of Christ in him. And I think it's beautiful because at the end of Paul's letters in Philippians chapter 4, which is one of my favorite scripture verses, and I didn't know this till later on in ministry, but uh, 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, which is a beautiful scripture. You see it written on on walls and it's it's on player shoes. You'll see it tattooed on on with with you know like face paint on football players. And it's you know I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. But it's misquoted sometimes because Paul said the only reason I can do that. Back up three or four scriptures before that he said the reason I can do all things through Christ Jesus. He says, because I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be beaten and persecuted. I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to live life and not live life. I'm in prison right now for God's sakes. But because of all of that, I had to learn. He said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. See, there's perspective. There's perspective, right? And so, so, so Jesus, Paul was talking about the same thing right there. And this is what I've learned that patience it's not the ability to wait, but how you act while you're waiting. Come on. It's, it's reacting versus responding. Man, like, I, 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 how many of you want to re- react? Somebody cuts you off. Like in Knoxville, I-40, it's like, Jesus, Lord, if this person don't get out of my way. Like, I, like I just want to wave at him with certain fingers, you know, like, you know, just like, Lord, help me not to react in this moment. Come on, how many, how many times do we, we wish that we could respond rather than react, right? And, 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 and that's what he's saying. Like, listen, learn how to respond in your situation. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me because I've learned how to, to respond, not react. And that's what I try to teach my boys all the time. Like, son, you, you, you react too much. And he's 10. You know, he's got to learn. Just pop him in his head, you know, and that's, then he's good. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Let me ask you this question. What weakness do you have in your life? Everybody answer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, serious business. What weakness do you have in your life right now? What's one thing? What's the one thing that's holding you back? Not, not what's the, we can all name 10, 15, 20 different things. What's the one thing that's holding you back? You know, for this man, it was physical. I I can only imagine it was also mental and spiritual in some way, right? But for this man, it was physical. Physical. What is it for you? What's the one thing? And if if you don't know and you're married in in the room, just turn to your husband or wife and they'll let you you know what it is. (laughs) Do you want to be made well? The second way to experience a miracle this is the second one. Write it down. You have to give effort. You got to give effort. Jesus said in the scripture, rise and walk. Rise and walk. That sounds so easy, doesn't it, for somebody that does this normally, getting up out of a chair? Rise and walk. Man that's been laying there for 38 years, 
to tell him to rise. I, could you imagine? Uh, okay. Haven't used these in a while. Let me think through this, Jesus. Uh, maybe this one go here. Put this one up. You know, I, could you imagine? I just imagine with me. What does this look like? You know, and so, you know, he didn't just say, you're healed. He said, rise. And I need you to walk. And it took effort. It's easy to get comfortable in our weaknesses. And let me tell you, in this scripture, when, when uh, John was writing that Jesus was walking through, if you'll remember, he, there, was, there was the pool with all the five covered porches that were around. You remember that in the scripture we talked, just said there's five. And under those, um, under those porches, there were, uh, that's where the people that were sick, that were broken, that were, um, that had infirmities, they all laid there. Like this is like, you know, um, these are all the same types of people is what I'm trying to get to. And this is what I've learned is that in, enabling often gets in the way of the only one that can help us. And so, so I'm thinking about these five covered porches and how all these people had the same issues. You ever been around with somebody that just feeds your flame? You know, you're like, listen, I'm having a hard time. Oh, me too. Who, was it him that did it? Oh, mine did too. You know, like, you know, and you're like, well, I didn't need that. I just need somebody to, you know, like help me. And then you find yourself agreeing, you know, when you should not be agreeing. You know what I mean? Am I making sense to anybody in the house? Come on, like, like. Do you want to be made well, Jesus says. Do you, do you want to change your thinking? Because the problem is, is that you've been around this place long enough that you gave me two excuses before you even said yes. <laughs> I mean, this blew my mind when I read this for the first time like this. And a lot of people get entangled into this whole idea of self-pity and they don't even realize that self-pity is a sin because what happens is, is that you dethrone God because self-pity is like, this is God and he is above us and you know that. But when we have self-pity, what we do is we dethrone him and put ourselves on top above God because we feel like you didn't make us right. You didn't, you, I, I don't look the right way. I don't feel the right, I have the problem. I have issues. I have infirmities and I've given excuses because this is how I'm operating and what happens is it turns into sin in your life come on somebody and then what happens is is you don't believe in yourself the very person that said rise and walk you are healed you're like well I just don't I don't I can't do it and Jesus said listen I need you to understand something right I remember I, I've uh I know I look very trim you know <clears throat> Why are y'all laughing like that? A, hurts my heart. I'm just kidding. I know, I know, you, you know, when I was uh, a few years back, I was, we were on staff at the last church we were at, and I got this thing inside of me, and I told my wife, I think I want to, I think I want to run. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, who wants to do that? Like, I don't know, if you're a runner in this room, like, ugh, I don't know how you do it. But in me, I thought, I thought, you know what? I want to, I want a challenge. I want something new. And, and I was like, our, 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 um, our, our church was doing small groups. Somebody was going to lead a small group of runners that would help me to run and lose a little weight. And I was thinking, they said, we're going to do a 5K. And I said, oh, that sounds nice. Um, how, how long is that? Like, he's, she's like, that's, um, 3.1 or two, whatever it is, uh, miles. 
Um, what, and I said, oh, like nonstop running? Like that sounds fun. And I, I, honestly, I'm, I hate running, and, uh, but I wanted the challenge. And so I said, okay, so, you know, I, I got the app uh, Couch to 5K. If you've ever done that, it's terrible. It tells you when to run. You know, I'm out there trying to run during, you know, in my neighborhood. And it's, it's uh, you know, I'm sweating. I, you know, I feel like I'm not doing well, right? And, and I'm at this place where um, I remember uh, we got to the race and, uh, that morning and uh, there were hundreds of people there, if not a thousand people. I was terrified. You, you ever been to a place that your, your anxiety is so strong that everything's buzzing and you can't hear anybody? You're just nodding and smiling. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, like you're sweating in places. You're like, I'm not even doing anything. It's cold out here. People are like, you want a banana? I was like, I don't know what I need this for, you know. And then all of a sudden, the gun goes off. Like the real deal. Like I feel like I'm in a movie. I'm only running 5K, guys. I understand. It's nothing to people that run. And the gun goes off. And this whole herd of people begin to move. And I said, oh, oh, we're going. Okay, all right, let's go. We're going. Y'all, y'all, I felt good until about 300 yards. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I am not going to lie. I kept pushing. Three, 400 yards got by. 500 yards. And that ain't even a long way, y'all. It was in a neighborhood. I thought to myself, I know exactly where I am. I'm going to peel off in this backyard, hit the ditch, go to my truck, and drive off. And I, I, we'll just talk about it later. I'm just going to quit. I was done. Like, I was, I, was, I, was completely, I was completely done, right? But I said, no, no, no. I can't do this. So, so I push it. You know, I, speed, I start speed walking. You know, feel like I'm really doing something, you know. Like, people are passing me. I feel like, oh, my God, I, feel, I can't be in last place. And then I hear, y'all, this is no joke. And I look to my, to, look to my right, and, and, and there is this man. He could have been 76, I think. In a full sweatsuit that, you know, this the vinyl one, you know. And he is speed walking with that little, he's just, he's coming. I said, oh, uh-uh, uh-uh. So, I, so I, I, you know, I get going. I start trying to run again, and. And then, then he ends up passing me, and I came in nearly last place out of almost a thousand people. But I accomplished it. Come on, somebody! <laughs> I accomplished it. <laughs> and, and 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 so so in my in my whole idea, of this story um, is, is is when we're doing better, we're putting effort into it, right? And so for me, for running the five k, like I don't want to do no five k. Like, this man was like, I don't know about being healed. Like, we're all hanging out there. You know, it, we will never get healed. We'll ne- but if you don't put effort into it, you're never going to see the outcome. Come on, you can go to a gym all day long and just walk around and be like, "Woo! I can't wait to look like that dude right there. I'll go right out the door and eat a cheeseburger. But if you don't put effort into it, you ain't going to be healthy. Amen? And look, and a lot of people get entangled into self-pity. And this is what I've learned, is when you... When you change your posture, you change your perspective. And when, you, and when you change your perspective, you change everything about your life. So if, you're, if your posture is the same the entire time, Lord, I, it's never going to happen to me. I don't know how I'm going to get down there. I don't know how it's going to work. I feel like this is going to end. That miracle is down there. I see it, but I can't get to it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how it's going to happen. Like, I don't understand. But if you don't change your, because Jesus came from a completely different direction from behind the man, not where the pool, where the, the miracle was happening. He came from a different direction, and he had to turn around and change his position.
excuse me? <laughs> excuse me? And this is what I say. Don't kill your vision with what you can see right now. I need you to hear me because this is big. This is big right here. <clears throat> vision is most valuable when your eyes are closed. God, I see you. I see you with my kids five years from now. I see you in a few months, God, when you're answering this. I, I see it. I see the business coming to life. I, I see it, God. I see it. I see it. But here's the thing. Sight is most valuable with your eyes open. And you're like, I know. I need to see. But, but hear me out. Hear me out. I don't need you to get them confused. But what most of us want to do, most of us want vision for our lives. The thing that you is most visible with your eyes closed. We want vision for our lives with our eyes open so we can put our hands all over it. You know, you know what I mean? Like you, you have this idea and you're like, God, I see this. And then you're like, but can we change that? Because I don't like that. I don't like how I'm going to get to that. I don't know. I, I don't like the way to get to this. Like, you, you know what I mean? So your hands are all over it. But vision, a.k.a. faith, is most valuable when your eyes are closed. God, help me. It comes from prayer. It comes from the heart. So vision slash faith is believing for what God is going to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it comes from the heart, right? Sight is thanking God for what he's doing right now. God, I thank you what you're doing right now at Oasis Church. I thank you that you're building people's lives right now. But we have vision to feed thousands of people. I don't know what it's going to look like, God, but I see it. I see buildings coming. I see people being saved. I see people, marriages being healed. God, I see it. I don't know how we're going to do it, God, but I'm leaving it up to you because right now I'm trusting and believing for right now. And I'm thanking God for the sight that I have, the things that I'm seeing, the worship team, even though the lights ain't like we like them sometimes. The sound ain't like what we want it to be. We ain't got smoke in here, right? No, okay. Not a smoking church? Okay, good. All right. <clears throat> Some of you need to thank God right now for what he's brought you through. What he's brought you through. Come on, Keys. You, you can come on back up. <clears throat> what do you see for your life? <clears throat> what do you see for your life? So to experience the miracle... Number one, you have to stop giving excuses. Number two, you have to give effort. Here's the third one. It's my final one. You've got to change your experience. You know, this guy, <clears throat> he was waiting for an angel, the Bible says, to come down to the water. And Jesus completely comes from a different direction. Do you find that ironic? Are you willing to do something different than your experience? I'm speaking to everybody in the room. This man knew about God. He might not have knew about Jesus, maybe, but he knew about God. He knew that the miracle was coming from one place. Can I, can I just speak to you for a second? Sometimes 
We think the miracle is going to come from just the altar at the church when we show up on a Sunday. Not that it's not, but I'm just saying we look for it. Lord, I mean, this church service, you know, and the music's going perfect. Lord, I see it. I see it. How many times have you ever been wrecked by God because he came in from a different direction and you didn't see it happening that way? Do you know often he moves that way? So, so, so let's, let me just say this. Tradition says, I want you to come join us. The five covered porches. Hey, we're all the same. Come on. Religion says, come on. This is the way we think now. You're invited. It's the only way we think. You know what I mean? Like, if you're, if you're no, if you're not a Baptist, you might want to go somewhere else. If you're not Pentecostal, you need to go somewhere else. If you're not Lutheran, you, tradition says, just come on, we're all the same. Just, just come on. But transformation, a.k.a. Jesus Christ, walks right up on us. And Jesus even said, hey, listen, son, I need you to take up your bed and walk. Uh, excuse me? Take up your bed and walk. And the, the Bible specifically tells us that it was the Sabbath. But, but many of us, many of you know that transformation happens often in the most obscure places all throughout the Bible. I can be real with you this morning, I mean this evening, that it happens in my life in the most obscure places. Sometimes I look for him and when I got the worship music up. When I'm doing my devotional, although I hear God when I do my devotional, it's not, I'm not saying that, but sometimes we only look for him in certain places. God's everywhere. God will speak to you on the freeway just as much as he would speak to you in a church service. God can heal you in a place more than he can heal you at a church service. This man was like he wasn't even wanting to be healed. Right? The point is, he had to go out of his religious upbringing. He saw the pool. He knew the miracle was coming from the pool. And there's nothing wrong with the pool. There's nothing wrong with going to church. There's nothing wrong with listening to worship music. There's nothing wrong with um, devotionals or reading your Bible. But here's the thing is, he was looking in one direction. If you would just show up right here, God, then I can do this. You ever said that? God, if you could just give me a little bit more money, man, I can be able to be more free in this specific area. God, if you would just help me get a building for my church. This, this is my prayer now. God, I'd be able to reach more people for the city. He said, oh yeah. I spent a ton of money trying to do something online. If I, if, if I could just have this, then I could do. You ever caught yourself saying that? Have faith. Have faith. For some of you, you might have to step out of your comfort zone. You know, when it comes to your religious upbringing and how you think you should experience Jesus. And let me tell you something. These two right here in this church, what I love about their heart is they see where people are. You don't have to have a specific title or a place in your Christianity walk. It didn't matter if you know Jesus or not. They know that. Because the beauty of it is, is that the gospel is an on-ramp, like an interstate. The transformation is, we understand that people come on and off wherever they want to. People are on a journey. We're all on a journey. That's why the Bible says he calls you from deep to deep. You don't just hit one plateau and say, oh, I'm a Christian. Here we go. I'm good. Check. He challenges you. He 
pushes you, he motivates you, he drives you, he, he changes you. And if we're not careful, we'll look at the pool and say, I don't see you. I've been here for two years. I've been here for five years. I've been here for 38 years. Do you know that I'm a product of a praying mom? I was a drug addict. I was, I was not happy. I'm a product of a praying mom that sat there on her knees and prayed, God, if you would just please change his life. Finally, I listened, not to her, but to somebody that walked into my life. And it changed me, right? So when it comes to your religious upbringing, just know that some things could shift in you. And it's okay. It's okay. You know, I um, there's a story about Mother Teresa that blew me away. And I'm going to close with this story. Um, there was this pastor that wanted to meet Mother Teresa. <clears throat> and uh, he scheduled a flight to Calcutta, uh, Calcutta, India, and to meet her. And uh, he just wanted some impartation for his ministry and his church and some guidance, you know, just somebody to pray over. Another, another person to pray over. I, you know, we do that as pastors, and uh, hopefully you do that as, as uh, leaders of your home, have pastors pro people just love on you, you know. And, he flew all the way out there. It was a big deal to get, get in touch with her. She, she's, 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 uh, she's not very easily um, able to get in touch with. Now, to her ministry, she's available to anybody that's needy. That was the beauty of her story. But this, this pastor got all the way to Calcutta, India, and, and met with her. And, you know, the story goes is um, that he sat down and said, Mother Teresa, you know, your life is it's beautiful to watch it unfold. She just sits there, you know, with her frail face and listens. And he tells a story about his church, and she seems intrigued by it, but he says, I want you to pray for me. She says, I'll pray for you. What would you like me to pray for? <clears throat> he says, I want you to pray. Um, I want you to pray clarity for my ministry. I need help. I need clarity. I don't see what's ahead, and I... I just need help. I need some more clarity in my life. And this is what she said. It's a beautiful quote. But she, she listened, you know, with that, those wrinkles in her face, you know. She says, I won't pray for clarity for you because clarity is the crutch of Christians. And I was like, hmm. This is what she said, but I will pray trust. I will pray trust. I will pray trust for you that your trust will increase, not your clarity. What she was saying is like, the problem is, is that we put our hands so much on stuff, we choke it out. But if we learn how to trust, then he's got us. I know that's easier said than done, I promise. But my God, my God, God, I pray, I pray that you trust in me. We're too busy praying for clarity. God, if I just have this, you know, I'm a schedule freak. Like, if you look at my, my phone right now, you'll be like, whoa, all right. You got something scheduled at specific times all the time. I, this is something I have, to, I have to trust in with God. God, you have me. This is why Clint and I talk all the time. It's because we're like, nobody has us. <laughs> Jesus, like, ain't nobody showing up. Like, it costs too much money to do this. Like, I... Like, I need a vacation. Like, it's like, no, 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 no. The problem is we're searching for clarity. If we would just lean in for trust, same for your business, same for your work, same for your family, same for your kids. I promise you, if you'll just lean into the trust, 
can I just tell you that the clarity is not the goal, but trust is. Clarity is not the goal. And so my prayer is always like, Lord, move me aside. Lord, move me so I can have all of you. Move me aside. My Lord, move me aside. During the season of my life, move me aside. Move me aside when I get frustrated with my kids. Move me aside when I feel like I don't have enough. Move me, move me aside, God, because I need to learn how to trust you more. Because if I can learn how to trust you more, God, you've got me. I already trust that, that you've got me. So why, why am I trying to search for clarity? God, you've got me. This is what I'll close with. But I close with our church all the time. If you would, just, just close your eyes or just any way that you can, you know, there's no reason why we do it other than just, just kind of focus in. I always ask our people, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? Lord, what are you, throughout this whole, you, you might have not got but just one little piece that's challenging. You know it. It's, it's like a thumbprint that's pushing down right now in that one area. What are you saying to me? What does my response need to be? What area of my life do I have an excuse and why you haven't changed in that area? And what effort in that area do I need to work on? God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. Help me in my anxiety. Help me in my frustrations. Help me when I feel like I'm not enough. Help me when I feel like I can't get it. Help me when I feel like I'm struggling, Lord. Help me when I feel like I'm just, gosh, giving excuses consistently. God, help me to lean into trust. Help me to choose joy, not anger. Help me to get away from the things that are so easy around me. God, where I'm hearing voices that I don't need to hear. Help me to turn off social media, for God's sakes. God, help me to turn off the news sometimes. Help me, if my anxiety is strong, help me to put just put some things away. God, help me to clean. I'll end with this, that this is something that I've always done. You can look back up. I write this. I wrote this down for myself, and I'll pray for you. And Pastor Quinn, you can come back up. But you know, I always write down. Focus on what number one. There's four things that I write down, and I use this a lot. But focus on what God wants to do in you. This is to me. These are things that I write down for myself. Focus on what God wants to do in me, not in the person next to you. Paul said, look, bro, you got to run your own race. If you're too busy running a race like this, you ain't going to win. You're going to trip and fall. Second thing is believe the unbelievable. Believe the unbelievable. Have faith. Believe in the miracle. The third thing is, is expect the best. Lord, I expect the best out of my kids. Not, not, not in a way that's controlling Hear me out. I expect the best because, God, you have them. I'm expecting that he's a leader. See, see, I teach my son all the time, like, he ain't, he's, not a, he's a terrible leader. But I speak leadership over him. And here's what I speak to him. Son, become a better follower. 
Because if you begin to follow the wrong things, you will never become a good leader. So learn how to follow. Am I speaking that to somebody in this room? Learn how to follow well. Then you can lead well. Does that make sense? And trust that he's got you. These are things that I say to myself all the time. Can I pray over you? I mean, I am honored to be in this house, Pastor Clint. Love you for the opportunity. You guys chase this dream here in this city. This isn't his thing. This isn't Pastor Clint and Pastor Stephanie's thing. I promise you, there's a lot of other things they would rather be doing sometimes. But God's called them. He, they need people around. That's why, that's why the dream team is so important. That's why small groups are so important. That's why next steps so important. That's why learning how to work with the church, the church is so important. The church is the hope. I still believe that it's the it's the hope of of of, of, of the, the, the local hope of this city. So chase it with it. Let me pray over you, Father. I thank you so much for everybody in this room. I honor you, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for chances and opportunities to speak your word and your gospel. God, you died on the cross for me, and what life is. I'm thankful, thankful, thankful for this team of people here at Oasis Church. Continue to bless them financially, Lord. Bless them um, uh, with abundance of beyond with workers, God. I love you and I honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.